Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Beautiful, man. Thank you for taking the time to, uh, to be here with us, man. It's, a, it's an honor and it is a pleasure. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is, man. Um, it is. It's a rad. It's a rad hour. Uh, it, it really is. I want to make sure you have context for everything. So if you have any questions, sure. we start. Um, but I've got you know a number of schools that that I own here in Northern California, and and uh, I hope this global Acton Academy uh, kind of run around the world, including the one Tim just launched out there in, in uh, Cedar Park, Texas. So um, oh, cool. The the schools are rad, man. They're very different than the schools you and I grew up going to you know these guys are starting businesses early and and they're taking control of their destiny it's all about character it's all about work ethic and and uh, putting the right foot forward so um the schools are amazing but this program here specifically is for young men and tim and i uh launched this in january and so you've got young men from around the world that are just absolutely committed to being leaders to to be in the best of the best and so um, they're getting to connect with amazing people like you and you know and Leif Babin and I mean just the best leaders in the world uh, and they're taking the time every week to do that so it is a, uh, it's a it's an awesome hour man it really is that's cool it is the best man so super appreciative of you being here I know we got a bunch of mutual friends um, Bedros uh, being yeah. one of those man and uh, just another amazing human um, and we like to take the hour and of course kind of go into you a little bit a little bit about your history your background all the things that you're doing and then these guys will have uh, better questions for you than I will too. So, Oh, fantastic. Yeah. It'd be great, man. So I'd love to, you know, part of what these guys start with is reading atomic habits, going into uh, a mod schedule, getting really, really efficient with their time. And that's an area yeah. where you are obviously a, a, an absolute ninja and you are helping other people, right. Who are the best of the best, just get better. Um, yeah. with those things. So and I don't know if you've always been like that or not, but I'd love to kind of go back first to where, you know, you were these guys and you were 13, you were 14 and kind of the, the trajectory for you. Yeah, I would say that, you know, I grew up on a farm and so on a farm, you're expected to do a lot of stuff. Uh, I was, I was kind of resistant to doing a lot of stuff on the farm, but I certainly, you know, did my fair share. And then when I was 13, I actually got my first job off of the farm for $2.85 an hour working at a local greenhouse and garden center. And so I was working after school. I was working every Saturday and then Sundays during the Christmas season and, and the, sometimes during the spring season. So I was, you know, forcing myself to be on that schedule. And I, you know, back, uh, back when I was growing up, it was rare that anybody did homework. But I actually made time to do homework, too, because I wanted to get into school of choice and stuff like that. So I was making time. And then I was also making time uh, to work out. So once I hit 16, it was basically school all day, then two hours at the greenhouse, then home for dinner, then to the gym for an hour and a bit. Then I came home and did homework while most of my friends were out, uh, kind of goofing around and stuff. And I, I made that time for this stuff that I want to accomplish. And, and that one phrase, like if you guys take nothing else from this is that you make time for what matters. Everybody else out there is I'm, I'm trying to find time to do this. I'm trying to find time to, 
exercise. I'm trying to find time to study. I'm trying to find time to be successful, whatever it is. You never find time, okay? It's not hidden under your bed. It's not in your closet. You know, you don't find time. You make time. So you make time. So you sit down with your calendar and you make time for those things that matter. And I'm sure that's what you're learning here. But the, you know, also the most important thing or an important thing to understand is that a lot of people make time for stuff that doesn't matter. And if, you know, a lot of people getting productive at things that don't actually get the, get them ahead in life. So it's, you know, make sure to pull back on the number of things that somebody's trying to accomplish so that they can really step into greatness on a few things. So yeah. those are, that's how I, I, I started off, Matt. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's just wanted to control my own time. It's, I love that too. I love that, that making, making time is obviously what matters, but making time about the things that matter too. It's the intentionality plus that focus on making time, right? Do you, is that 13 first job and, you know, and, and 69 get growing up on a farm and we got a little ranch out here too. And my kids are out shoveling horse yeah. crap every morning before school. And I mean, they're getting at it, right? Yeah. 16 fitness homework and, and, you know, your friends are out goofing around. Is that something that was instilled you think by your parents? Is that something that's kind of a DNA thing? Is that like, how, how did you kind of start to grasp that concept at such a young age? Definitely both. Definitely both in that, um, you know, it might've been just my personality. So, you know, I grew up in a home where my father was an alcoholic. And from what I have read is that people's personalities kind of spring up as a defense mechanism. So when you can't control the actions and you have no idea. Like I would come home from school and I had no idea, you know, which dad was going to be there at the end of the day. Is it going to be like drunk and funny? Is it going to be drunk and angry? You know, I was fortunate that, you know, he wasn't physically abusive, but you know, he would yell and then he would be like, do you want drunk and you want to do something crazy? Like we lived in Mm -hmm. Canada. So it'd be like, we would jump on snowmobiles and he would, you know, he's had way too many beers. Well, this is like four o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, we're driving out there and flipping the snowmobile and stuff like that. So I had no idea what I was coming home to. So it's possible that my natural response was to be rigid and controlled. So it's interesting. A lot of people think, oh, you know, all these good habits are either taught to you or it's your DNA, but sometimes they actually come up as a defense mechanism. And I think that's where part of it sprouted for me. Totally get that, man. Totally get yeah. that. Had very similar experience. Dad was a very rough, um, a rough guy. Live, uh, you know, worked in law enforcement, but kind of probably should have lived at the prisons versus worked <laughs> at the prisons. You know, yeah. and, and just a very rough guy. And so it was, you, I get that. That was a defense mechanism too. We're going, okay, what dad do we have? And we're trying to recognize it when he walks in the door. We're trying to figure out who, which one we've got, super yeah. quickly, so that we can respond accordingly, right? And I, and I, same thing. Like I attribute that to being able to pick out patterns of human beings. And, and I think there's a lot of good that does end up coming from that if you choose to see that. But um, yeah, and I also had, you know, I, I mean, certainly while he had his flaws, he had, I mean, he was a very hard worker. So we exactly. saw the hard work. Um, I, I really enjoyed kind of the academic work. Like I really, you know, I love to yeah. read. I've taught myself to read at age six at yep. a high level and all that sort of stuff. So I kind of replaced a lot of the manual labor with um, my own type of labor. And then it was, you know, my mother was also uh, a very hard worker. So in the winter time, you know, she would be, she would come home from her job where she didn't make a lot of money and then she would sew clothes all night and that sort of stuff. And then in the summertime, she was in the garden until about eight o'clock at night. 
So I had that work ethic instilled in me. Yeah. And then I also, you know, I wanted to accomplish uh, a lot of stuff. Now I've, you know, I've, once I got through high school and, and, you know, got in my own trouble during college and stuff like that, I went through a phase where I had to get myself back on track. Like, you know, people would look at like my worst days and say, well, you weren't that far off track, but I was far off track enough that I had to, you know, eventually get my own discipline back in my early twenties. Okay. So what did that, so what did that look like at that point? Well, so really the mistakes, but kind of that getting back on, getting back on track and at that age. Yeah. You know, so, so we'll get through, get into college and, and uh, you know, like you don't need to watch too many movies to see like, you know, what a frat boy might do mm -hmm. and, you know, drinking and stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is like six days a week, I'm on track, you know, I'm up early, I'm studying. And um, when I got my first job as a personal trainer, as a young man, I'm up, super early training in the gym but then you know the one night a week everybody goes out on saturday night and I, and I felt very hypocritical about it um and then i actually built a business that allowed me to kind of work on my own schedule with the online business very much like today and i started sleeping in later and i started feeling anxious in the morning so i, I ended up with uh, some pretty bad anxiety attacks at one point i mean i, I went to the emergency room thinking i was having a heart attack mm. and that was just a matter of, of being overwhelmed, of not, you know, journaling or speaking to a therapist or doing the things that, you know, you got to get all the stuff out of your head if you're walking around and carrying, uh, you know, whether it's anger towards, you know, a father who, who didn't do his best or whether it's confusion about growing up or it's um, worries about something. If you just keep that all in your head, it just kind of explodes into physical uh, symptoms. And so I had that explosion into physical symptoms. And then I just like, okay, I got to dial back my, you know, what time I get up in the morning. I got to set cutoff times for the work at night. I got to do, you know, um, you know, I, I would have to schedule a little bit more social time so, mm -hmm. to go and talk with friends and stuff like that. And so I was able to turn it around and there's lots of tools to help people and improve my breathing and, and that sort of stuff. So once I dialed that back in, now I've been just been on track for 20 plus years and, you know, love, love what I do because I've made time very disciplined during the day, which then opens up more free time. That's right. Whether you want to be spontaneous or whether you want to have family time or whether you want to, you know, go and spend time with your girlfriend, boyfriend or whatever, you want to be involved in sports or fitness at a high level. You got to be rigid and structured during that morning so that you're not kind of playing catch up around dinner time later in the day. Yeah. And I love, you know, I remember, uh, listening to you say something along the effect of, of, you know, the morning routine always starts at night, you know, and, yeah. it's, and it's setting that list, you know, and, and that's something that I very much have gravitated towards as well. And kind of that nighttime list is what's going to, you know, start the morning and prioritizing. And, um, you know, I, I think that's absolutely spot on. Uh, yeah. And I just say, you know, for, for, for our, for our audience here, you know, um, getting up early in the morning can be difficult at a younger age. And so, it all goes back to if you get to bed at a decent time, mm -hmm. it's going to be less difficult in the morning. And so what does that look like to get to bed at a decent time? And I, I teach people 60, 70, 80 years old, all the way down to 15 years old, that the same message that you got to shut those electronics off an hour before bed because you, you know, whether you're playing esports or whether you're on social media or, you know, whatever you're doing, there's so many options these days, but those, you know, the phone mentally stimulates, stimulates you. It's like having a cup of coffee. And, you know, even if you've never had a cup of coffee in your life, you know, that it contains caffeine and keeps you up 
during the day and up at night if you have it too late in the day. And it's the same with our electronics. Now, the other thing is that if you're doing something like playing video games or if you're going on social media and arguing with a friend, then you're naturally got your adrenaline going. Right. And so it becomes difficult. You know, you're tossing and turning in bed and then it's very difficult to get up in the morning. So it's that hour before bed. You got to shut those things off and, and you just go and do, and I call them old school activities. You prepare your lunch for the next day or you read a book or you talk to uh, people in your household, you know, not using electronics, but you need that transition period so that you get to bed on time yeah. and so that you're able to fall asleep on time. And then, you know, so for anybody here is struggling with their mornings, that's going to make a huge difference. Big time. Yeah. The discipline around that. I like, and you mentioned, you know, kind of the anxiety, right. And you were feeling mm -hmm. overwhelmed and, and mentioning, you know, now, you know, these guys are growing up with a different situation than you and I did. They do have all the access to the esports, the phones, and they do have mm -hmm. all of that extra stimulation. Do you think there is any correlation um, between, you know, a generation that is potentially more anxious than we were at that age with all that stimulation? Kind of what are your, what are your thoughts on that? It's fascinating because there's definitely a lot of statistics that show our younger population is more prone to anxiety, but, but there's so many contributing factors because, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, I don't even know if I knew the word anxiety until I was 25. Yeah, so, right. so now we're going out and we're telling all these young folks that, you know, they, they've got anxiety. It's, and it's also like, I'm not, I'm not downplaying in any way. I'm just saying, you know, it, it could be suggested in some aspects, but then yes, there is way more pressure in the schooling system. There's, mm. there's way more, you know, there's enough pressure in high school as it is. Uh, and then you add on those layers. Well, now you can be way more connected with way more people. And then also it's just, it's just more acceptable to say that you do have anxiety, which is a great thing. Um, and so that may contribute to the numbers as well, because if you can communicate that you're feeling it, there's a lot more people that are trained to, uh, to help people overcome it. And I'll tell you what it is. <clears throat> Anxiety is not depression. Anxiety and depression are two different things. Depression is a very difficult thing to deal with because I think it's almost inexplicable. And, you know, people get, but the people that I've talked to that have real depression, they, they get into it for a reason that they can't put their finger on and they yeah. get out of it for a reason they can't put their finger on. Yeah. The, the, you know, quote unquote, good thing about anxiety, you know, and, and anxiety means everything from like the extreme that I went to, to the anxiety before an exam or before your driver's exam or before a big game. That's actually almost like a puzzle that it can be solved with techniques. Depression, I can't speak to it at all, but you right. can solve anxiety with techniques that don't include medication. I mean, you know, that don't rely on you going down the medication route and it's right. proper breathing. Um, you know, first of all, re reducing the stimulants, both through caffeine, like, you know, I see kids drinking crazy amounts of caffeine these yeah, days. Man. I mean, so, and the amount of caffeine in the things that they drink is insane. One, it's one thing to have a Coca-Cola that has 50 milligrams of caffeine. I mean, a Red Bull only has 80 milligrams of caffeine, but a monster, you know, 170 some milligrams of caffeine and, and, you know, it's a soda pop to most kids. So, so eliminating that stuff is almost you're gonna have an almost overnight improvement in your anxiety levels but then the breathing you know slow belly breath stuff that i had no uh, idea about can can you know in a minute really really juicy like so you know anybody here whether you're sitting in traffic whether you're 
stress before a game, whether you're stressed before an exam, just like inhale through your nose for four seconds, fill up your belly, and then breathe that out for six seconds. And if you do that, you go through that loop for a couple minutes, it, you'll, you'll almost feel like the weight of the world is off your shoulders. And you can do four seconds in, seven second hold, eight seconds out. All these types of things are wonderful for helping you calm down and fall asleep as well. I remember it, I, I found it very difficult to fall asleep um, a lot in, in, uh, in my high school years. Sometimes it was because of a Coca-Cola. Uh, I didn't, I was very sensitive to caffeine. And then other times, it's, you know, you're just thinking of some girl or you're thinking of some the sporting event or you're yep. thinking of like, you know, how, how you can one up the guy who one up you at school uh, that day. So, you know, but if you get into that breathing stuff, it'll help you um, get those things out of your head or do some journaling and then fall, uh, help you fall asleep, which gets back to our thing before. But, um, you know, if you, uh, if, you know, if you're in any position, where there's a lot of stuff going through your head and there's a lot of inputs into our heads these days more than ever, you've got to have outputs. Like, right. you know, if you imagine, I imagine that most of the, most of our audience here played with a Lego set at one time in your life. Now, when you get a, a box of Lego, you open it up and this is just jumble of pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And so your brain is like a, a Lego box. It's a jumble of pieces and so imagine, you know, like there, you can't make sense of it all. There's a whole bunch of things running through your head. You got your hormones running wild. Um, if you keep that jumbled up Lego set in your head, you're not going to be able to make sense of things. And it's going to, and it can cause you some overwhelm. Mm -hmm. But what happened, what's the first step to putting the Lego box, the pieces together? Well, you pour it out all over a table, your floor or whatever. And so that's what journaling or brain dumping is another thing that we call it, where you just get all the thoughts out of your head. So like if you want to go to bed at 11 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night, doing a brain dump or um, journaling session at five or six or seven o'clock at night gets a lot of those thoughts out. You can start to make sense of them, start to put those puzzle pieces together and then when you try to go to bed a few hours later, you don't have 19 things racing through your mind, which anxiety is, is your mind racing, your anxiety engine revving, your wheels spinning. You've all heard those phrases, and it's because we got too much um, information up there. So we want to empty our, our minds and, you know, journaling, meditation, yoga sessions, even a weight Weightlifting, I wouldn't do weightlifting, you know, a couple hours before bed, but I always feel a lot better after a weightlifting session. So certainly that's another contributor to overcoming that anxiety. So again, you can see like there's just so many tools there, removing some bad things, adding some good things. Yeah. And, yeah. and just being able to talk to people too is super helpful, man. All of that is so good. And that's, you know, not just a young, young guy thing and not just a thing you're experiencing at that young age. I mean, that's a, that is an adult thing. And I know that's, a that, that is a, every gender, every age yep. thing. Yep. And, um, it, man. yeah. And certainly, uh, you know, the, the, if you can find somebody who's gone through it, it's yeah. even more helpful. Yep. Um, for, for some people, it's a very foreign thing. Like you might talk to your friends and who are just, you know, they're naturally wired to never have anxiety. So you will, if you do talk to people, you will come across people who don't understand it. Um, unfortunately, what, what I found, Matt, is that eventually everybody uh, everybody understands you the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I get a lot of messages from people. 
two o'clock in the morning in the emergency room and they're like, oh, I understand what you're talking about. And I don't want anybody, uh, you know, listening to this to have the same experience. But um, one, one thing to understand is that you, you generally start to feel the anxiety as a physical symptom. I feel it over my left uh, chest here. Um, yeah. You know, it's just like a tingling or something. And that's when I know I either need to breathe, slow down. Um, it doesn't happen. Any, I don't drink alcohol anymore, but yeah. uh, when I did drink alcohol, I, I felt it in that area too. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. just, just uh, keep, be very aware, like having that mind body awareness, which comes from physical activity is, is an incredible tool as well. That's huge. Yeah. And it's interesting that you, that you mentioned it. Cause I, I definitely do the same thing. It's like an upper left trap, you know, kind of deal like that starts, interesting. To kinda, it kind of starts to tighten up and it's like, a, yeah. uh, that's, you know, that's, Hey, I mean, I gotta get, I gotta get some of this stuff out and so many good areas, you guys, the breathing, I know, um, you know, Irwan LaCour, Mark Devine, box breathing. And I mean, there's, Man, I just found that Irwan, Irwan guy Irwan. the other day. Yeah. Where's he, where's he based out of the United yeah, so States? He, so he actually, so he was in New Mexico, uh, for a long time, I believe he and his family. Last time I talked to him, um, he was in Mexico. Um, he'd actually moved his family down there. Oh, okay. Uh, the majority of the time, he travels, you know, all all over the place. But uh, yeah, he's a um, he's an interesting guy. He's a he's a really really good guy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you know, go. Back, sorry to interrupt there, but yeah, oh. finding out that breathing stuff, and it's it's not complicated. You can take it to a high level. Yeah. But the um, the immediate relief is not a is not a complicated. Thing. True story. True story. And and fitness, especially for young men, you know, I know very much into um, kind of our that mind body connection we're talking about fitness and having that physical outlet, you know, is something that is just ridiculously important. And part of this program, you know, these guys take on monthly challenges, monthly projects, there's monthly readings, we're doing weekly sit downs. Um, but the the physical component, the workouts, you know, that that Tim and I put together and Ray care and, and a couple yeah. other guys, right? That I think those are absolutely imperative and i know fitness was obviously a huge part and that may have been honestly when the first time i heard it may have been through that um you know, yeah i mean i had a i had a big um, fitness influence you know we sold a lot of yeah. workout videos and stuff like that now i'll say that um i was in the best shape of my life when i had my anxiety attacks so it is uh, it, it certainly helped me recover faster i mean if i was out of shape if I had a lot of body fat, if I had hormonal problems, if I had bad blood sugar, if I had horrible dietary habits, yep. it would have made it more difficult. But it, um, it's just it's one of the tools in, in the toolbox that you need to have, but it's not the only tool in the toolbox you need to have. But definitely, Absolutely. I mean, you want to be in shape. Absolutely. No, could not agree more. What does that look like for you, for you now, right? I mean, you've got that coaching business. So what is the, um, what is the physical fitness side of that? look like for you now because i know you are very disciplined very consistent in how you approach things so what does that look like and then yeah it, yeah it's it's pretty consistent it's definitely not as hardcore as uh, you know i'm 46 years old so and didn't uh use proper form when i was everybody's age here so there's some there's some areas that need a little bit more help I, you know i spend a lot of time sitting which which brings a problem there but uh, my my workouts are almost um equal in length in terms of warm up and mobility than they are in uh, yeah. resistance training right now. And so right now I'm just uh, using a, a little home gym, but you know, I'm consistent. I will do something relatively intense almost every day. Mm -hmm. And, and 
you know, maybe once or twice a week, I'll just do a really long walk, but I'm always, I'm always doing something. And, you know, most important now, like is be able to move properly. And, uh, cause I'm not entering any type of competition or anything right. soon, but it, you know, it's getting that consistency down. You, you know, if, if uh, everybody listening here, if you get consistent and you make it like, like for me, if a day goes by where I don't move my body, you know, I get a little yeah. anxious about it in my head, but my body doesn't like it either. And it's, uh, you know, our bodies are, are really meant for routine, get up at the same time, mm-hmm. eat generally the same thing at the same times every day, go to bed at the same time, exercise consistently. You'll feel great if you do that. And then all the other aspects of your life tend to fall in place. True story. Yeah. And the, and good message on the, on the, I mean, same thing, man, as a young guy, you know, and you take on those ego, those ego lifts and, um, you yeah. know, you do, you do get reminded of it later, you know? I, I definitely, you know, if I, if I could go back in time, I would, uh, you know, I never did, um, jujitsu or anything yeah. like that. Like I would, I would definitely go back and make myself do that. Not, not that I can't, you know, sure. start it up today, but I think that type of training would have been, a better use of my time than like some of the long running and stuff that I did, but um, just don't overdo your body, get lots of different types of physical activity, really focus on stuff you enjoy. Like if people here are like, man, I, you know, you can't pay me to go to the, to the gym and lift weights or do something like, you know, there's other ways of doing things. You you know, you certainly have to have a certain amount of strength training uh, just so that, you know, when you're 75, you're still able to, kick butt and uh you know carry your own groceries and stuff but um you know do do find what you love to do because there's people with uh, very athletic fit bodies and very healthy uh bodies from almost every single sport recreation that you can think of that's right yeah that's absolutely correct and then the mobility piece too ends up being a long tail game as well man and that's yeah like, you know jay um Farouja's is somebody that uh, oh yeah Jay's, jay and i have known each other for you guys nearly 20 years yeah man long time so yeah super good dude and he's you know he he, he's emphasized to me quite a bit um over the last year year and a half you know about the the mobility piece and um could not yeah because he was also did a lot of my dog is trying to get in my office there yeah you know jay jay was like me and maybe even um sorry the princess is coming into the office here man yeah Yeah, so so yeah so so i think jay has even more aches and pains than i do and so you know that's why he's such a proponent of it these days Uh, and you know oftentimes that advice falls on deaf ears but um you know people if if you do a little less bench press and a little bit more mobility that's a compounding effect that when you're 40 or 45 you'll be able to throw the baseball with your kid and it won't hurt that's right Yep. Yeah. Different. So gentlemen, I'm going to open up uh, the door to, to, for questions for you guys here in just a sec. The, the, the last one that I have leading into that um, is so, you know, briefly, what is kind of, what does it look like now day to day? Like what is kind of your, your focus? Like what is, um, you know, kind of the, the big priorities for you right now? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, one of the biggest priorities in my life right now is, you know, we, uh, in my business, we call it Craig proofing the business, which means that, uh, the business, you know, can run without me, that, that it still makes money without me, that uh, decisions can be made without me. So, you know, my career was personal trainer for a couple of years, 
gradually moving to an online fitness business where I sold workout books and workout videos, then I had enough of that and wanted to help other entrepreneurs. Um, so I went from fitness coaching to business coaching, wrote a couple books. Um, the books you see behind me, their perfect day formula, perfect week formula, un unstoppable. That one is how to overcome anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I can send eBooks and audio books of all these uh, to you to share. And, and then uh, when I wrote those books, we moved into the business coaching. So now you can almost like use an analogy of a gym for our business coaching. Like there's me who might be like the head, head trainer, the owner of the gym. And then we have coaches with specialties, much like a gym would have personal trainers. And so I'm up early in the morning and I do my thinking time or some writing time. Then we do, uh, I do a quick meeting with my team and then my wife and I take our dog to the park and then come back. And usually I'm doing some more writing and stuff like that around this time. And then in the afternoon I do calls and I end earlier than I did, uh, you know, 10 years ago. So it's, it's all about doing that, which is simply getting the business, leading the team, uh, you know, hiring great people who can come on and do the stuff because you, you know, if anybody gets into business, you can't do the stuff forever. But if you, if you want the business to grow and, and you want to have a business and not a job, you have, eventually have to bring on other people and you find great people. Right. So, so that's what, um, I love that. that's what I'm after. I love that, man. I'm glad you're getting to, to, to end earlier too. And that's, I mean, we're definitely going through the Craig proofing of our, of our campuses and things like that too. Right. And bringing in, um, we've got, uh, some of the echelon front guys coming in today and, and I'm um, just kind of chatting about just, uh, continually growing and then kind of the business perpetuation there, but doing so in a, in a way that decentralizes that power. Everybody takes ownership of their piece. Uh, yeah. And then our model too, with the young, with the young people we serve with the young heroes is that increasingly over time, they're taking on more and more and more responsibility of running, not just their own academic side, but running the business too, right? Cool. Like young people end up running the campus. And so we, you know, we're trying to get to the ideal uh, point where the adults aren't even needed. Yeah. And then we can go seed another, you know, school campus that's doing the same thing to just kind of bring that ultimate responsibility back to, to the young people that we serve. So yeah, oh, that's very, cool. very cool, man. No. And almost always it is trying to do too much. So you take a look at Vince, who's had a really good last couple of years. The two years before that were not the best and they were, you know, causing a bit of tension at home for him because he was trying to run three businesses in addition to being, a, you know, a father and, and great husband. So I said to him at one of our meetings, I said, listen, you can have two jobs, one of them being a great husband, father, and one of them is running one of these businesses. Uh, you know, he had coaching, he had a supplement company, he had this other fitness company. And when we reduced it, he was able to, to grow. And otherwise, when entrepreneurs like, you know, we were like a, a you know, a teenager at an all-you-can-eat buffet. We just put everything on our plate. We put so much stuff because, you know, one, we're super excited. We see so many opportunities. In many other cases, like we're workhorses. And, you know, to us, it's normal to work 10, 12, 14 hours a day when we're getting started. Um, but when you have a family and, and uh, you know, when you're not 25 years old and, and single or just have a girlfriend or something like that like it's a totally different situation so cutting back and there's a great bruce lee quote on this 
He says it's not about the daily increase, but the daily decrease. Hack away at the unessential. And that's the same for all of us, which is, you know, like you say the same thing to a successful student is let's take a look at the day and really look at what's moving the needle, what's really moving you ahead. And so oftentimes it is with that student cutting out some, you know, some fluff in the day, like, you know, whether it's social media or, you know, even in, even in your workout, like if somebody's workout is 90 minutes long, I go, listen, we cut that workout back probably to 45 or 50 minutes and you're going to get 95% of the results in 50% of the time. Mm -hmm. And so that's got to be what we're going for. So, so we just hack away at the unessential and then, what uh, one one of the magic things for an entrepreneur is thinking time but if you're busy in activity all the time and you don't have any time where you can sit down and really problem solve that's where struggles really happen so i one of the things i actually i don't force my clients to do but one of my aims is to give them all of friday as a thinking day mm -hmm. and to get them to spend 90 minutes walking in nature on that day thinking about the problems because if you go back in history and you look at some of the greatest authors and composers in history you actually find that they worked probably like half the day at their desk and then they spent sometimes up to two to three or four hours walking in the afternoon and you know maybe it's because of the time of that they lived hundreds of years ago there wasn't much else to do but when, that's where the, the problem solving came to them. And, and everybody here I know has had a, a good idea when they're in the shower. And that happens because our brains work differently in different environments. And when you're in a, a novel environment or a nature environment, and you're not sitting there trying to concentrate on a problem at, at your desk, your brain actually is a better problem solving brain. So that's one of the things that I encourage people to do. It's, it's, it's a little counterintuitive. It's like, you know, an, an athlete, when you're a young athlete, you think it's all about training, 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 training. But the pro athletes know it's about training and recovery mm -hmm. uh, time. And it's the same with the entrepreneur. It's about doing time, but thinking time is so important. So that's, that's what I see, Aiden. And those are, that's, those are the problems and those are some of the solutions. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a combination of like, okay, put the, get the inputs into your head and then you kind of go and you get away from putting more inputs into your head and you go somewhere where you can let your brain connect the dots, yeah. you know, synthesize the, the output um, from all of the input, you know, they reject some as garbage and identifies like, Oh, well, you know, there's this connection and we know this person and, and, and therefore, and you, you can look at anybody from like uh, Warren Buffett who spends most of his time reading and thinking uh, and just applying it to that. So most people need to consume some information and then synthesize it uh, and kick out the bad. And so that's, you know, kind of like what Bruce Lee quote was. So that's, uh, that's what you aim for. Now, it's, I will say, though, Matt, like at some points in our lives, we kind of have to be really in that apprenticeship phase mm -hmm. before it's almost like the master can do that. But the apprenticeship phase is where you are just gathering the fundamental knowledge yeah. And, yeah. and being able to put that together. Yeah. You got to get the Legos before you can piece it together. Yeah, and make exactly. Yeah. Listen, I've got I, that. You just made reminded me of one of my clients. He has a, a million dollar real estate business and, and he's up watching youtube videos on poker and golf and i'm like man like and then he's like the next day he's, he's sleeping in and he's not the best at his 
at, uh, for his company. And, and so the same thing that I said to him is the same thing that I, I you know, I teach in my books and I kind of have like these three steps that we take earlier in the day and then a couple of steps that we take later. So, so let's say you, I'm just going to make up some times here and you can adjust them for your current situation. But let's say you go to school from like eight till three and then you have some stuff that you have to do after school and then you have dinner with your family and then you do some other stuff after school. So I would say like right before you have dinner, you sit down and you go through the, the three steps here. The first step is the brain dump or the journaling. Scrap piece of paper or an actual journal. It doesn't matter. You just get, you know, there's all these thoughts running through your head. And it might be as simple as like, oh, you know, tomorrow I want to do a weight training session uh, with Bobby. And, you know, I want to practice, you know, football or whatever else, you know. And I want to do, I want to run to the store because I want to get, you know, some snacks or something uh, that my mom won't buy me. Uh, but then I also have to study for this test and this test and I got to work on this thing. And, and then I've got school from these hours. And then, you know, I want to, I want to connect with my friend from that other school because I don't see him very much. And it's like, okay, so you just got to like brain dump this list of 20 things and you go, oh my goodness, that's a lot of stuff. But now you feel uh, a little better. And then you take that. So you got 18 things on there. Then we do our to-do list, our priority to-do list. If you have 18 things on the on your like, I want to do this tomorrow, one of them has to go at the top. And, and so that's generally going to be like some schoolwork project, you know, the number one thing you have to do. Now you're going to have your errands, like obviously you're going to go to school, you're going to go to those classes, you're going to go to practice, you're going to lift, whatever it is. Like those things get put on the schedule too. So now you've kind of thought through that. It's like, okay, great. And then what you should do is think, Okay, let's look at my number one thing I have to do tomorrow. How can I make it easier for me to succeed at that number one thing? So if I have to study for a math test or if I have to write an English essay or whatever it is, okay, I'm going to leave my math books you know, out on my desk. I'm going to have it open to the page. I'm going to write down a couple of the problems I have to solve so that that way when I wake up, there's not the res- as much resistance to doing the work and you can get into it a little bit faster. So that's how you plan the day and the night before or the day before. And you can do this like if, if you did this at lunchtime, that's fine. You don't have to do it really late in the day. It's any time. Now, second part is just that, uh, you know, getting to bed on time. So if you want to get to bed at 10 o'clock at night, we do need to turn those YouTube videos off at 9, latest like 9.15. <clears throat> so... One of the things that has been really, really helpful for me is what, what I call public accountability. And I will say this, Matt, actually, you said something earlier. You're talking about, you said the word discipline. Mm-hmm. And discipline is a valuable attribute. But uh, if we only rely on discipline in our lives, like the ability to control our actions, you know, just through sheer strength, right? We don't always win those battles, whether it's, you know, for going back for a second, you know, bowl of ice cream when when we know we shouldn't, if we're, you know, trying to, to make a weight for wrestling or something like that, or discipline of studying at night when we don't want to, you're not always going to win those battles. So what we need to do is set up systems, mm. systems, systems overcome our, any lack of discipline. And that's the, you know, the system of doing the preparation the night before overcomes the lack of discipline we might have. It, it helps us make the right decisions automatically. So one of the things that I do when I build a system, like even for me, there's things that I want to do that are not good for me, that I need to build systems 
that prevent me from doing those things. And one of them is one of the parts of the system is what I call public accountability. And public accountability is whether it's group accountability or whether it's simply a one person is you saying to somebody, Hey, I don't want to be watching YouTube videos until 10 o'clock at night. I need to, you know, shut them off at nine o'clock. And so I'm going to say to a friend, you know, if, if, uh, you know, you look on my, you know, I'm gonna let you see my phone the next day and you'll be able to see how late I was on YouTube. I, I would imagine that might be possible with screen time or something. And if you catch me on YouTube after nine 15, then I owe you five bucks. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like that system, that system of, of significant consequences for the wrong action can really help you make that change. So that's one place to start. And the other thing is going back to Atomic Habits with James Clear mm -hmm. is that he says the, the really the foundational thing we need to do is change our identity. So, you know, Logan's identity is like, I'm the type of guy who, you know, says, does what he says. And, you know, I'm making this commitment that I don't watch YouTube videos past this time of day, you know, whether it's 9.15 or whether 10 o'clock or whether it's 8 o'clock or whatever it is, or I only watch you know, 30 minutes of YouTube videos per day. Like I've made this public commitment. Like I tell people we watch one episode of Netflix a night and my wife always, you know, tries to trick me into watching another one or convince me, but it's no, it's just one episode a night. Otherwise, you know, we're going to be up past our bedtime and we're not going to have a great start to the day and all that sort of stuff. So I tell people on these videos all the time, I say, my wife and I only watch one episode of Netflix yep. and when I, and so that's a form of public accountability because if I actually watched three episodes of Netflix every night, I would be a liar and I'd, well, I'd feel like a hypocrite and, and it would give an internal sense of disappointment to myself. So if, if you start making that promise, whether it's to one friend or to your football team or whether you're, you know, to Matt or to your teachers or whoever, and you just say, okay, right now I watch YouTube videos too late. I want to stop at this time. I still get to watch some. I'm not saying you're never allowed to watch a YouTube video again, but I'm going to stop at this time or I'm only going to watch this many videos or, or for this amount of time. So now you've made that commitment. You take it to other people that you don't want to let down. You tell them that. And then all of a sudden you, you're going to find yourself sticking to that. It might not be easy at first. You may have some setbacks. You may have a day where you accidentally do it and, and uh, you know, watch too much. That's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Just go, okay, tomorrow. I realized that, uh, you know, if I had a stressful day, then I watch more YouTube videos, or if I had too much caffeine, I watched too many YouTube videos. Therefore, I go back and I figure out what's the system to stop me from having too much caffeine. If I can control that, then it's easier for me to not watch too many YouTube videos, which makes it easier for me to get to bed. And it's these micro habits and these systems that can help anybody change any behavior along with that identity change. And all of a sudden, you know, you're just, you're making your life easier and you're making all aspects of success a lot more automatic and uh, less resistance. So there's a big lesson here for everybody is that oftentimes when, when you think about trying to do something more successfully uh, and, you know, maybe you've seen your parents try to lose weight or maybe you've, um, you know, you're trying to like, you know, stop the YouTube videos. 
you know, a lot of people think it's about adding more stuff, you know, with the, with the whole gym thing, like, Oh, I got to go to the gym six days per week. And I got to have these green juices and all that sort of stuff. But oftentimes, if you take a look at that, it's that there's some negative things, you know, some bad decisions that destroy everything, right? Right. They destroy everything. So it's, how can we look at what needs to be removed so that we can be uh, more successful? Like in most cases, you know, I, I used to be a personal trainer. So I'd see all these people coming into the gym, exercising hard, eating pretty well five days a week. But then on the weekends, I mean, you know, they ate more on the weekend than they did for the entire uh, five days. Or they were good all day. And then when they watched television for 30 minutes, they ate more in those 30 minutes than they did all day. So how can we remove that negative? If we simply remove the negative, they're actually be like that alone makes somebody successful. Yeah. So always look for the negatives. And, you know, an example you might have uh, in your friendships and stuff is, you know, when you you go to school, you go to football, you go to basketball, whatever, um, you know, any of the clubs that you're in. And there's that one person, that one person gets you to misbehave. That one person in math class is always getting you in trouble. If you distance yourself in some way from that person you don't sit near them or you know you you, uh spend a little less time with them you get in less trouble and it's the removal of that negative um influence that can actually make you more successful without being like super hardcore in your discipline super powerful very powerful you have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.